Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Good Life with Dawn Richards podcast. I am Dawn Richards, your host, and it's great to be back with you again. You know, I um, realized, I looked up and we were in July and I was like, okay, we've officially marked off the first half of 2020. And I know that 2020 has been It's been its own special humdinger of a year so far um, on so many fronts. But the great news is we made it. The great news is we're here. We're still kicking. We're still going forward. Um, Obviously, with a lot of, you know, crazy things still happening in in the world, um, you know, um, possibly in your personal world. But the good news is. God is still on the throne and he indeed does have good things in store for us. And as I shared in a recent podcast, uh, our destiny is not canceled. So with that, I'm excited to just spend a few minutes with you all today, kind of just with some heart talk. Um, I always miss um, my, you know, unseen podcast audience and family when I'm not... um, sharing with you. I'm always praying and kind of just maintaining that posture in my heart about what, what will come next. Um, so sometimes the episodes that in life, um, as I always confess, sometimes get in the way of me being as, um, frequent as I would probably otherwise be, but I do, um, always want to make sure it counts when I come to you and I bring something to you. Um, that I feel can really be a benefit and a value. And so I am excited just to drop in, see how you're doing. I hope you will be, um, you know, responsive. Let me know, drop me a note. Uh, obviously I'm always, um, open to hearing from you, hearing your thoughts about the podcast. Definitely share, share the podcast with your friends, your family, your networks, um, because there's a lot of good stuff here in previous episodes and obviously great things to come, I believe, um, as I trust the Lord. So we are on episode 29. We're making some moves here. And um, with that, today, I don't know that I've crystallized the topic yet, but the working topic is um, kind of, like I said, a heart talk, and it's five keys for staying on top of life's stuff, because I think we can all agree that life definitely comes with stuff. Um, We'll just say that. And sometimes it can feel like, you know, it's the stuff is is insurmountable and, and it's just wave after wave. And so what are some things that, you know, we can do? What are some keys that we can put into motion to stay on top rather than having life kind of, you know, consume us and, and, and take us, take us out, um, so to speak of the, of the race. And I believe that I have some things, some practical, um, spiritually, you know, uh, inclined, but very practical things that we can do that we may already be doing, but maybe we can take up a notch. Um, we can be more consistent about, uh, but just some really practical things that I jotted down that I want to share with you that I believe will encourage you. And, you know, if you are already doing some of these things, bravo, brava, keep it up. Uh, maybe you again, want to turn up the volume. And if you are not, then I, I pray that this will um, will definitely be um, of even greater help to you. And so with that, let's just jump right in. So 
again, I'm working with the five here, um, but you know, this is not exhaustive by any means and who knows, maybe I will come back, um, in the future and share more. But for now, we're going to get started with these five. So the first one that I have is if you're taking notes, you want to, you know, get something to write these down, feel free. If not, obviously you can always come back and listen again, download the podcast and, and take it in further. But the first one is let God love you. I know we focus so much on, especially as believers, you know, loving the Lord and, you know, I love you, Lord. And, all of that. And that's important for sure. Um, but really when you allow God to love you, when you really take in the enormity as much as your mind and heart can hold, cause we could never, I don't think on this side of eternity, take it all in. But when you allow yourself to just sit with God's love for you and because God loves you and because he loved you first is the only reason why we can even respond to him with love ourselves. But when we let God love us, um, and I'm going to share, you know, ways that I believe you can really get into that flow. But when we let God love us, that is so life changing because it truly centers you and it makes you solid because you know, because your God, your father, the great I am loves you, that there's nothing that he wouldn't do for you. There's nothing he wouldn't help you with. There's nothing he wouldn't take you through, bring you out of, um, bless you with. He said as much in his word. He said, if I've given you my only son, my only begotten son, how will I not with that give you everything else besides? Like he's given us Jesus. So there's nothing else that will ever compare to that ultimate gift. There's nothing else that could ever equate to that. So of course he'd give you the house. Of course he'd give you the car. Of course he'd give you the job. Of course he'd give you the family. Because all of that is just mere, you know, drops in the bucket compared to the ultimate gift of his only begotten son. So when I say let God love you, what does that look like practically? How can that actually take shape and form in your day-to-day -day life? I believe the greatest way we can do it um, is to really spend time in God's word, you know, his word, the Bible represents God's love letters to us. Just imagine you have this lover and they're writing you all these letters, confessing their love for you and reminding you of how special you are to them and telling them, telling you what all they plan for you and how they're going to change your life. This is what God's word represents to us. It's his promises to us, promises that he keeps, promises that he has the power to make sure they come to pass. See, God is not a promise breaker. He's not a heartbreaker and a promise breaker. He's a promise keeper. And so when you see it in his word, you have it on good authority that it shall come to pass. He said, I'm not a man that I should lie, nor the son of man that I should repent. If I said it, if I God said it, I'll do it. And if I spoke it, then I'll bring it to pass. So now that we have that foundation of integrity, now that we know that God's word is truth, we can rest and we can settle in just like you'd settle into the love letters from a lover that is confessing and decreeing and declaring their love for you. This is what God is doing to us in his word as his children. He's telling us how great he is 
and how great he'll be in our lives and in our circumstances and how he'll fight for us and how he's given us the victory and how we can live in peace and joy and and have faith and trust in him and rely on him. And that comes as you spend time with him, because how do you really get to know anyone? How do you really get to trust anyone? You've got to spend time with them. You know, you can't develop a relationship, an intimate relationship of merit without spending time with someone, whether that's romantically, whether that's a friend, whether that's a family member, it doesn't matter. And the same applies when we talk about that vertical relationship with the Father and with the Lord. We have to give God time. You know, God told, and I have never forgotten this, God told us to a minister years ago and she shared it when she was teaching one day and I've latched onto this ever since and I've shared it many times in my teachings but God said to her one day he said I can change anything about your life and that's that's believable I think we all could say we could at least give head knowledge and head head consent that we believe God can change anything about our lives because he's God and he said I can change anything He didn't qualify it. He said anything. I can change anything about your life. All I need is time. He says he can change anything about our lives. But here's the condition. All I need is time. Now, when he said, all I need is time, he wasn't saying, oh, give me 30 minutes and I'll be back with you. I'm going to need about 30 minutes to get this knocked out. Or, you know what? This one is a, this one has kind of got me stumped. Give me about six months and get, and let me get back with you. No, he wasn't talking about that type of time because God can do anything before we could even take a breath. It, It would all be done. In fact, a day with the Lord is a thousand years for us. So We don't, and God is not a God. He's not bound by time in the way we understand time. He was saying all he needed was for her and for anyone to spend time in his presence because he knows that once we're in his presence, once we are communing with him, once we are filling our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our words subsequently with his word, his truth, his grace, his faith, That's where the transformation takes place. It's in his presence. And so he says, if you will spend time with me, I can change anything about your life. So that is the ultimate expression of God loving you because love is an action word. It's easy to tell someone you love them, but if you don't prove it, And how do you prove it? You prove it by your actions because talk is cheap. You prove it by your actions. And so when you prove it, there is action behind it. And God says, I can change your life. That's, that's, that's a no brainer. I can change your life, but you're going to have to spend time with me. I need your time. And so often that's the one currency that we shortchange God with. We have time for everything and everyone else, and we give God the leftovers. Oh, you know, I'll go to church if, and this is obviously pre-quarantine, pre-sheltering in place, but I can't tell you the number of times I would chat with random people. Sometimes they were family members, sometimes they were friends or just whatever, 
and the subject of just church attendance might come up, which is typically for most people a once a week commitment. If you go to Bible study, you're in the upper echelon, you're in the elite <laughs> and you may be going twice a week unless there's a special convention or or revival or something like that happening at a specific time. Most people are pretty much showing up at the house of the Lord once a week. And it, and even with that minimal time commitment, I can't tell you how many times I would hear, well, I'm not sure. It depends. You know, if I wake up in time, if you wake up in time, well, who's in control of when you wake up? Is that not you? Now, if your boss said, am I going to see you on Monday morning, um, you know, at 8, 8 a.m.? I don't think you would respond to your boss and say, well, you know, if I wake up on time, I'll be there because we know <laughs> we know the outcome of that. Now, don't we? So why is it when it comes to God, so often we feel like that's the one trade off that we can easily we can easily, you know, put to the side when in fact I would submit that it is the absolute most critical thing that we should bake into our lives and into our days and everything else has to figure itself out from there. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I've definitely have times when, you know, I'm, I've, I've slept in longer or I've done this or that or stayed up too late. And I haven't given the proper time that I know that I want to get the results I'm seeking. My pastor says this thing. He says, you know, before you say you're unhappy about something, before you say things aren't working, before you say, oh, you know, um, life sucks, basically, ask yourself this question. Ask yourself. And now if you want to lie to you, that's between you and who? You. But I hope you won't lie to you. You might lie to everyone else. But tell the truth to yourself. Ask yourself Am I spending the amount of time in the word of God that would enable me to truly latch on to what God has shown me and saying to me to have the confidence and the faith to stand, to believe and to walk this thing out? And most often the answer will be what? No. But guess what? We can change all that today. That's why we're talking about it. Glory to God. This is not to beat ourselves up. This is to just simply re-acknowledge that there's a better way, a higher way. And guess what? Everybody's not doing it. So everybody's not going to get these results. But when they see the results in your life and in my life, they're going to want to know how it happened. And then you'll be in a position to minister to them. And what, what do we say? Bring them up or give them the glow up or the plug or however they say it. Y'all, <laughs> I'm always trying to use these little phrases that the millennials and the, what is it, Gen Z crew uh, use. Because I think they're cute, but don't judge me. So anyway, letting God love on you is that first key to staying on top of life stuff. And now you have a visual, actual way of approaching that. What does that mean? Because the Bible tells us in John 1, 1, that God and his word are one. God and his word are one. When you say, I'm going to spend time with God, you're not literally spending time with the father from a physical standpoint because God is a spirit and they that worship him worship him in spirit and truth we're spirit beings and yes there's that communion spirit to spirit but 
truthfully, the way you get in the presence of the Lord and spend time with him, the way we are designed currently in this physical realm is through his word. God's word is God. God's word is God speaking to you. So when you say, I want to hear from God, I know that most often when people say that they're saying they want to hear an audible voice, they want to hear something, you know, uh, supernatural as they would claim. But the first and first and foremost and most reliable way of hearing from God is in the Bible, in the scriptures, in the word that he breathed and gave to men to write down for us to live by. And then as you get intimate with the written word, which is the Logos word of God, your spirit will become more in tune with how God flows, his character, his nature. And you'll know as you start to hear voices, because the Bible says there are many voices in the world and they're all saying something. It says they're all without there. None of them are without signification. In other words, they're all saying something. So then we have the job to discern if the voices of God or if the voices of Satan. And you're only going to be able to do that because you train your spirit in the word of God. You know God. You know his character. So you know that when you hear something and it goes against what the Bible teaches and what the Bible represents, that that's not of God. And God didn't say that to you. I have seen people say some things especially in this internet and this social media age and they try to add Jesus to it and I want to say honey child you know Jesus did not tell you that please stop they are what deceived they think God told them to say certain things and I'm not going to repeat some of the things I've seen because you might you might have seen it yourself and you'll know who I'm referring to and my intent here is not to quote unquote blast anyone but my point being you have to know God for yourself you have to get in the Bible. You have to give yourself to Holy Ghost instruction through the fivefold ministry gift, the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the evangelist, um, the apostle. Ministries like mine, people called of God to minister the word and to help you understand the Bible. And then you have to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes so you can see for yourself. And then when you hear something like, oh, you know what? I just got caught. I'm just going to go ahead and tell a, a quick lie to, you know, to get over this. You know, I'll tell a quick lie and I'll and I'll be out of it. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And then you realize that the Bible has scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture about not lying and that God hates liars. And you have a decision to make. Am I going to flow with God and what he says is right, even though it seems as though I might lose out in this immediate time. Or am I going to go with the flesh, the devil, the ways of the world where everybody lies? A lie is just an inconvenient truth. You know, hey, we don't really have a pandemic. It's a hoax. You know, we, we're not really, you know, suffering. Um, people aren't really dying from coronavirus. It's a hoax. You know, are you going to be a person of character and godly integrity? Or are you going to just do whatever seems right? Because you're trying to hustle and get over and, and navigate your life that way. That will never end up with you being on top of life stuff. That will always land you with life stuff squarely being on top of you. 
So let God love you. Embrace his love letters to you. Carve out time intentionally. Once again, intentional living. Being intentional about making time for you and God. Making time for this relationship that is truly important. Because when you have relationships that are truly important, when you have responsibilities in life, back to the job reference or anything else that you depend upon, those things aren't optional. You know, taking care of your children if you're a good parent and making sure they're cared for, that's not optional. You don't get to wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm not going to be a mom today. I'm not going to be a dad today. I just don't feel like it. I'm not in the mood. And then, you know, your parenting just goes away. Voila. No, you have to be a parent for as long as you have little children <laughs> until they are adults. There's no off switch there. And there similarly should not be an off switch when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. Because child of God, it pays so much more than it will ever cost you in your time. So remember that phrase, God can change anything about your life. All he needs is time. All right. So our next key, we're moving along, is to go heavy on the thank you, Lord. I saw that recently. I was looking at something um, on social media and I don't even remember where I saw it, but Basically, someone had just captioned, um, you know, I'm heavy on the thank you, Lord. And, and it just ministered to my spirit. I mean, my spirit just lashed into that like, yes, amen. And what does that mean? That means you are heavy on thanksgiving. You're heavy on gratitude. You're heavy on praise. You're heavy on worship. Because thanksgiving is the language of heaven. You may have heard the phrase, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Absolutely. Because Thanksgiving is the language of what? Grace. It's the language of grace. You know, even in Spanish, when you say thank you, it's gracias. And that's grace. It's the language of grace. It's the language of heaven. And so when you want to get God's attention, when you want to bring the presence and the power of God on the scene, then you want to be heavy on the thank you, Lord. You want to be heavy on thanking God for all that he's already done in your life. You know, nobody likes a person who feels entitled. And that is a spirit that is heavy in these last days, especially with young people. It's, it's, it, it can, you can find it even with grown and grown ups, but a lot of, you know, younger children, younger people, you know, they've grown up accustomed to getting certain things. Their parents have worked hard and, you know, they've, been blessed and they've been able to, you know, benefit from, you know, really blessed lifestyles and upbringings. And then something happens as they transition into adulthood and they kind of have this entitlement mentality, like everything's supposed to come to them on a platter without them having to do any work, any real work or exert themselves. You know, they're, they're, they're supposed to have, you know, X, Y, Z. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And anybody that you know, would allow that mentality to persist um, in the life of somebody that they're close to is doing them a major disservice. In fact, I, I distinctly remember my mom drilling into me um, from high school on that no one owes me anything. I mean, I, I remember her like being up in my face, 
reminding me that no one owes me anything. And she was endeavoring to prepare me for the world so that I wouldn't get out in the world and, you know, have this mentality that was going to, you know, set me up for failure because truly no one cares, you know, no one cares. Even when you're the A student, the honor student, you know, the good girl, the good boy, uh, you know, you obey your parent, all that the world, unfortunately, doesn't care. So you have to be ready to bring your best. You need to be ready to bring your A game. That's really all they care about. And nobody owes you anything. Meaning, if you want it, then you're going to work for it. And so when it comes to the things of the Lord and our relationship with the Lord, don't you think he feels similarly? He gives us, he gives to us, he gives to us, he gives to us, and 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 he gives to us. And we just keep taking, taking, taking. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Another blessing, another blessing, another blessing, another blessing. Oh. But have you paused to thank him? Have you acknowledged his goodness in your life that he didn't have to wake you up this morning because it was him who woke you up, not your alarm clock, not your iPhone, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your wife, not your husband, not your children asking for food. God woke you up. He gave you the strength to get out of the bed. He gave you the soundness of mind to be able to work and to do whatever it is you do for a living. He gave you the breath to breathe. He gave any and everything we have that is good came from him. So it seems to me that at some point the light bulb would come on and we would recognize the importance of saying, thank you. You know, I cringe when I hear people say, I'm a self-made millionaire. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. To me, that's very sad because first of all, if you have to make yourself and prop yourself up, you're going to have to keep you there. So just be prepared that if you put you there, then you are going to have to keep you there. And I don't know anybody who really wants that responsibility. Instead of acknowledging that it was God who helped you, get to where you are. It was God who favored you. It was God who divinely ordered your steps. It was God who opened that door for you or closed that door. It was God who allowed your path to cross with someone who was influential and, and blessing and helping you to get where you are. Whatever that looks like, you need to be heavy on the thank you, Lord. Your life should be a life of praise and worship. No matter what your circumstances are, I'm not just saying that when everything feels good and looks good and smells good and tastes good, that that's when you load up on the praise. No, you've got to learn how to do this when things are exactly opposite, when life stuff is bearing down on you and you want to master that and make sure you stay on top of it. That's when your praise becomes a weapon. That's when your thanksgiving becomes the armor in your spiritual artillery. That you use like a weapon to wear that devil out and to usher in all the power and blessing that God has for you. Because in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So you've got to learn how to praise on purpose. And something amazing happens even when you're not in the mood to thank God. Even when you don't feel like praising God. 
something amazing happens when you start your mood changes your feelings change and before you know it your whole demeanor your whole disposition has changed and why is that because God is there and nobody can stay in a funky mood and a funky attitude when God is on the scene because he is joy he is love he is peace he is goodness and he's promised to inhabit our praises I mean if you if you ever wanted to have God pay you a visit this is the this is the way this is the invitation praise give thanks And modeling that attitude of thanksgiving is contagious to those that are around you, your children, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, random strangers. When they see that, it's going to minister something to them. Just like complaining is contagious and people are quick to jump on that bandwagon with you. You know, you start complaining about the boss. And then the person in the cubicle next to you starts complaining about the boss. And then the person over here, over here is you at the printer and they start complaining about the boss. And before you know, you've got a gang going talking about the boss. Well, guess what? You can turn praise on and use it in the exact same way and get amazing results because complaining on the other hand causes you to remain the same. It's going to keep you in the mire and in the muck of life stuff whereas praise is going to raise lift you up over and out and into God's goodness and his best for you and it's just the proper respectful thing to do when someone does something for you it's polite to say thank you So let's get heavy on the thank you, Lord, even when you're doing it by faith, even when nothing has changed, even when nothing seems to be changing, even when nothing that you want has manifested, you're going to use your praise as a weapon and you're going to keep that key turned in that keyhole until your answer comes marching through the door. Glory to God. So number three, moving right along. We're going to learn, learn, that's L-E-A-R-N, and learn some more. We're going to be students for life. The Bible says that the wise love instruction. The wise love instruction, and we seek it out. We seek out truth. We crave truth. It says the wise Feed on truth while fools feed on trash. It makes a stark dichotomy between the life of a wise person and the life of a fool. So you can't get mad. You can't get mad when somebody labels you a fool because if you play the fool's part, you're going to get a fool's reward. But God didn't leave us there. He says, but this is how you can be on the winning side. The wisdom side, which is learning. You should be a student for life. You should never stop learning. You know, I've talked about curiosity in in recent podcasts and how that leads to you caring and how that leads to being a blessing. And it's that same concept of being curious, of wanting to know more, of wanting to be better for yourself first and foremost. Even as a student of the things of God, 
You should never stop studying God. You can't stop studying God. God is infinite. So you'll never get the full book on God. You have to continually seek him out and you discover new facets of him every day. I have been seeking God earnestly for over 26 years and I'm here to tell you I haven't even scratched the surface. Because sometimes I go off on my own little way, then I come back, I have to recalibrate, keep moving. And God is infinite. Glory to God. So in addition to the things of God, whether that's concerning your profession, whether that's concerning passions, hobbies, um, just general know-how about the things that make up life. You don't have to stay stuck on stupid forever. You don't have to be in the dark forever. Yeah, maybe today you don't know anything about X, Y, Z, but you don't have to stay there, especially in the age and time in which we're living. We are living in the super information age where literally a few clicks on the keyboard and you can have a whole world open up to you on any given subject. And there's YouTube University. I mean, Google, what you name it. There really are no excuses. And so God, he, he, he instructs us to be people of learning, to be people who are ever learning, to be people of wisdom who love instruction. So if you have taken that mindset that I don't read, I don't need to listen to anybody's podcast or well, you're listening to mine, so you better. I don't need to go to church and hear ministers teach me anything about God. I don't need to go to conferences. I don't ever need to put myself in any type of a, you know, maybe a, a professional group or anything like that to learn from other people. I'm good. I'm good. You're not. You're a fool. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. God said it. He says you are a fool. That's how fools live. That's how fools think. So we want to turn that off. And we want to turn on the wisdom of God, which says, yes, Lord, I'm hungry for knowledge. I want to constantly be learning and growing in this life that you've blessed me with. Lead me, Lord. Show me where to go. What should I be focused on in this season? Because it'll change from season to season. Maybe when you um, start a family, your focus will be on being the best that you can be in that family. And that's going to look like family resources. That may look like having a family therapist. That may look like parenting materials. That may look like support groups that center around whatever that goal is and whatever's big in your heart for your life at that time. If you're trying to go forward in your career in some manner or maybe change careers or do something in business, then you're going to follow those paths of learning. So whatever it is that you're focused on, and whatever it is that's before you in your life in that given moment, God is saying, get to it. Be a student. Crown yourself today. Here's a crown you can put on yourself today. A label you can put. I'm not big on labels unless they're coming from the word of God. And this one is coming from the word of God. And here's a label you can put on yourself that squarely lines up with God. Student for life. I'm not talking about formal education you having a degree XYZ, I'm just talking about in a heart and a mind and a disposition to learn. You know, that makes you interesting. Who wants to 
date and marry and be in relationship with and be friends with somebody who who's never learning anything. That's boring. Like, don't you have anything to talk about worthwhile? Don't you have anything interesting to share? You know, if you're really into bass fishing, then you ought to know a lot about bass fishing so that when we come together, you can share. Even if I don't care anything about bass fishing, show me. Show me what you know. Show me what you're working with. That you actually have a life outside of getting up, going to work, coming home, turning on the TV, sitting there watching whatever it is you're watching, and then going to bed and doing it all over again the next day. That is not attractive. What is attractive is when you're passionate about something and when you study it out and you seek it out and you become your own little subject matter expert, not only for you, maybe at first for you, and then so you can help and bless, entertain, enlighten others. And it just makes you more interesting, my dear. So learning. All right. We're almost there. Four. Number four. Once again, we're going to embrace the pause and we're going to embrace self-nurture or self-love, however you want to say it. That is still at the top of the list when it comes to intentional living and living our best lives. We have to be intentional about pausing. We have to be intentional about slowing down, slowing our pace and actually caring for ourselves, spirit, soul, and body. That could look like taking a bath, a warm bath, which is known to lower your heart rate. So, for instance, if you suffer with, you know, bouts of anxiety or panic attacks or things like that, I'm not saying, and I'm not a medical doctor, so this is not intended to be medical advice. This is just, you know knowledge because I like to learn that I've amassed and it's proven that your nervous system responds. You take a warm bath, a hot shower could be the same thing, but it actually slows your heart rate. So if your heart is fluttering and it's going, you know, and beating extra fast and you're, you're in anxiety mode and you're in panic mode, then just something as simple as taking a 10-minute bath or a hot shower can minister, nurture, and care to you and get you back on an even keel where now your thoughts are clear, your heart rate is steady, and then you can proceed with whatever it is that's before you, whether that's work or whether that's something with your family or whatever that looks like. Same thing with, you know, taking a walk, similar results, just a short walk, getting out in nature, recalibrating, and then picking up where you left off. A nap can do the same. I think I shared when I did the episode on finding the pause button or being still and knowing, I think I shared in one of those, I shared the power of napping. Um, and the benefits that it has on your life as well. So, you know, our culture, especially American culture, not just Western culture, but American culture in particular, it's so, because of the capitalistic nature of it and the go-go-go-ness of it, it's so anti-pause and anti-self-love, really, that you have to be intentional and you have to tell yourself it's okay to take a break. 
You're not a slacker because you decide to prioritize your well-being, because you decide to pause, because you decide to maybe say no thank you to the party or no thank you to the after work events that happen all the time or to the late, you know, the late hours every day. You have a right to slow things down, deep, breathe deeply, and do what's best for you. Getting the proper rest, nutrition, um, social interaction, all those things make you a healthy whole you so that you can be your best for yourself. You can be your best for your business or your job or your family or your friends or your whomever and whatever matters in your world. But going 100 miles an hour nonstop is never going to get you as far as taking those meaningful, intentional pauses and embracing the pause, making it a part of your regular routine, whether it's 30 minutes a day, whether it's an hour a day, whether it's a dedicated day a week, whatever it looks like, you have the right to determine what's right for you in any given season. And it doesn't mean it's going to be the same in every season because we have seasons of life where certain things are more important than others. And you will be able to adjust, but you have given yourself permission. You've given yourself permission to slow things down. And you know what the greater thing about that is, is that when you give yourself permission to embrace the pause, you also give those in your life permission to do the same. You give your family and your friends permission. If you're a boss, if you're a leader in your career and in your workplace, and you have maybe people reporting to you, people that you oversee, when you model this, when you model self-love, then you give them permission to do the same. So they know that when they are off on the weekends that it's actually okay to enjoy their life without checking email on the weekend. And that's just a small example, but it, it's so pervasive across our culture and across our society that we have to become so intentional and prescriptive about taking care of ourselves truly and giving ourselves permission. You don't need to wait for someone else to give you permission because you may not receive it. You're, you're going to have to give yourself permission. That's why it's self-love and it's self-nurture because it's between you and you. Remember when I said earlier that you may lie to you and that's between you and you? Well, it's the same thing when it comes to taking care of yourself. That's between you and you. Only you can decide that you don't have to answer every call and that that's why voicemail exists. And it can go to voicemail. And then later on, when you are ready, you can go back and check the message and you can respond accordingly. Just a small example. But you got to take care of you. Bless the Lord. And finally, fifth and final, if I've said it once, I've said it, well, I won't say a million times. I'm, not, I'm trying not to be an ex exaggerator, <laughs> but I've said it a lot of times. Speak life and expect the best, but you've got to watch your 
words. You got to speak what you want to come to pass. If you want the dog, don't call the cat. Call the dog. If you want a happy life, don't sit around talking about how your life is so sucky. Start speaking the life you want. You know, if you want a better job, if you want a happy family, then that's what you need to be speaking. That's what needs to be in your heart and subsequently on your lips. Because your words create for better or for worse. Proverbs 18:21 teaches us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, they that love what? They that love life and they that love death shall eat the fruit thereof. So it doesn't mean that you somehow get a pass if you are not saying certain things. No, you've got to on purpose intentionally speak life. Just saying nothing won't get it. Just not saying negative things won't won't get it. You've got to actually say what you want. Jesus says you have what you say. So if you're not saying anything, you're not going to be seeing anything, meaning anything that you want. And then when you get to heaven and you want to have a gripe session with the Lord and say, well, Lord, you know, when I was in the earth, I really wanted a nice house. And, you know, Lord, I actually wanted. I really did want to share my life with someone special. And, you know, Lord, I really wanted that such and such and such. And you know what the Lord's going to say to you? Well, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you say something? Because guess what? It's on you. He's given the power to you. That power is in your tongue, in my tongue. Hallelujah. That's good news. That means no one else can ultimately control your destiny. Only you and God can do that. So it doesn't matter what mama said about you or daddy said, if they said you weren't going to ever be anything or amount to anything, or maybe if they praised you and told you you were going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Either way, you have to co-sign. You have to speak life. What God has said about you, who he's called you to be. He's called you blessed. So you say, I'm blessed. He's called you favored. You say, I'm highly favored. He's called you healed. You say, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. So I have previous teachings on that. You can avail yourself um, to go more deeply, but we have our keys. Jesus told us that the Father takes pleasure in giving us the keys of the kingdom so that we can bind and loose and we can enjoy days of heaven on the earth. These keys, once again, they may not be all the keys on the key ring, but they're they're critical keys that can definitely take us forward in the the second half of this year and beyond throughout our lives and help us remain. If you're not there already, get and remain on top of life stuff. So I want to thank you for listening as always. 
It's such a pleasure and privilege to minister to you. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray right now that you would just say this simple prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus. I thank you that he died for me and that he rose again on the third day. And I receive him now as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you that I am born again I am a child of God and my eternity is set for heaven. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are now born again. Meaning Jesus has responsibility for your life and you are in the family of God. And I welcome you. As always, I ask that you are liberal with the podcast, sharing it, downloading it commenting, subscribing, reviewing. It really does matter and it really would mean a lot to me. So please be liberal. And until next time, remember remember to use your keys, be intentional, and enjoy the good life. In Jesus' name, God bless you.